97, 98, 99, 100. Ready or not, here I come. What game am I playing? Hide and seek, that's right. Anybody play hide and seek as a kid? I loved playing hide and seek when I was a kid. You got to hide, find that perfect place to hide, and you were in, in a dark space maybe, and you listened to other people walking around you trying to find you, and it was kind of exciting, right? But then we get a little older, and we stop playing games like, quite like that, but we might find new ways to hide from one another. That's what this series is about. We're doing a masks series starting today. And it's all about how we use things like anger or pride or today's topic of anonymity to hide what's going on under the surface. Last year at this time, we were discussing something called overcoming the giants of the heart. Anybody remember that? The Giants of the Heart series was an incredible series. We watched people. It was a beautiful thing. We, we as pastors talked about it for, for months and months how beautiful it was to see people open up to one another and talk about the things they were going through or things they'd experienced in their lives, the, the pain and the struggles that they might have had. And, and it was encouraging to see that openness and that transparency. So this series that we're doing now comes out of that. They, they share some DNA because we want to see that journey continue. We want to see each other encouraging one another to take off our masks, not to hide, but to be open, to be transparent. Let's put away our masks. Today we're, we're going to be talking about some masks that you can't really see. And I was thinking, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about how different it is to look at somebody who's wearing a mask and how you can't really tell what's going on underneath it. There's a TV show that is pretty recent. I think it's in its third season now. It's called The Masked Singer. Has anybody seen this TV show, The Masked Singer? They call it a reality show. That's debatable. But uh, it's a, basically the, on this show, you have celebrity contestants who compete with each other to sing, but they wear a mask, so you can't tell who it is that's singing. And so they sing for these judges, and the judges listen, and then they give votes to who did the best job, and the people who did the worst job are incur- or they have to take off their mask and reveal their true identity. And because they're celebrities, the judges already know these people. They, are, they would recognize them. So when the masks come off, the judges are shocked. You know, oh my goodness, it's you, you know. And that's kind of the reveal that they have. And it just goes to show that when somebody wears a mask, even when it's somebody that you think you know, you don't really understand what's underneath. So there's so much material out there about wearing masks, written by psychologists or pastors or social workers and all kinds of other people about wearing masks. It's a, it's a human tendency for us to hide behind whatever mask makes us feel safe or comfortable. Just like when we play hide and seek, we look for a perfect place to hide ourselves, a place that fits us, where we feel comfortable, where we can settle into it and we can stay safe. We go back to that same place over and over because as long as it works, we're going to use it. There's a preacher and comedian by the name of Susan Sparks. She says we wear masks out of a fear that someone will find us out. We feel like a fake. We feel like maybe we don't belong. And we don't want people to catch on to that. And I wonder if that's why we struggle sometimes with masks in the church. See, when we come to church, one of the things that we want 
is a place to belong. We want to see a belonging place for ourselves. But if we compare ourselves to the lives we see all around us, and we are the ones that know our real lives, we're the ones that that know what's going on inside of us, and we look around and we see all these people around us, and they look like they've got it together, and we don't. We might be tempted to pull back from that and not to engage in a real conversation or a real relationship. And the harder that we make it for people to know who we really are, the harder it will be for us to feel like we belong together. So what I want you to know today is that we don't have to fear. We are fully known by God, so we don't have to fear being known by others in the family of God. I'm going to say that again. We are fully known by God, so we don't have to fear being known by others in the family of God. Unfortunately, we often settle for a mask instead, and today I'm calling this mask the mask of anonymity, the one that keeps us from getting too close. People carry all kinds of assumptions, assumptions about church and church people in particular. And while some people think that the church is for people who have it all together, there's just as many people out there, or more maybe, that would call us things like judgmental, hypocrites, holier-than-thou, phonies. And what's worse about it is that all of those things are true, at least some of the time, about us. I bet that most of us have experienced difficulty in our relationships with other church people. You know why? Because church people are people just like other people are people. Right? We're all people. We're all broken. We all have issues. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, you've got issues. Now look at them again and say, I've got issues too. I've heard it said that if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. Right? The church is made up of imperfect people. It seems obvious that every person has issues, but we feel like we have to hide those issues. We want to fly under the radar. We want to not expose too much of what's really going on under our Sunday morning smile. That's the mask of anonymity. That's what keeps people from seeing who we really are. Now, our desire to hide our issues goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve. Our God told them not to eat the fruit of the tree of life, and the serpent came along and tempted them into doing it anyway. But see, it wasn't just the serpent's fault. They thought they could decide what was best for themselves. And I want you to hold on to that idea because we're going to come back to it in a minute. They thought they could decide what was best for themselves, and it came back to to hurt them. Let's take a look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now I want you to notice this. Adam and Eve, they had done something wrong, and they knew they were going to have to face God, but what did they do? They hid, right? 
That's what we do. It was their nakedness, the vulnerability that they felt, that made them hide. They not only knew they were wrong, they knew they were vulnerable. And we hate that feeling, don't we? Feeling vulnerable. Coming into church with the family of God, sometimes we feel a pressure to look like we have our act together. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to reveal too much. That's what our series is about. We carry this automatic defense mechanism, and it's one that we got from Adam and Eve. This defense mechanism says, I decide what's best for me. In other words, I'm only going to let you see what I want you to see about me, and I'm only going to let you know what I want you to know about me. This mask of anonymity is about our unwillingness to connect. We don't want to let others get close enough for us to feel vulnerable. This morning I've asked Jen Yoder to help me with an example of what someone might feel when they come into the door of the church if they're attempting to hide behind a mask of anonymity. So Jen's going to give us a, a look at what that looks like. What am I doing here? I'm really not sure I can handle this. All the way here, I had this urge inside of me to go back home. But now I'm here, and I'm having trouble building up the courage to go in. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out of this car. I feel like I'm supposed to go to church, but I, I really don't know that I belong I know people will smile and be friendly because that's what they're supposed to do. But I, I don't think I deserve it. In fact, if, if they knew who I am and what I've done, they probably wouldn't be glad to see me at all. I'm not like them. All right, front door time. It's now or never. <laughs> oh, they opened the door for me. That was nice. That, that, that handshake wasn't too bad either. But now what do I do? All right, well, it, it looks like I need to get through those doors and, and go have a seat. But, but people are going to talk to me. Hi. Hi. Yeah, yep, yep, I, I'm visiting today. Yeah, yep, first time here. Yep, yep. <laughs> N- nice to meet you too. Okay. Uh, get me out of here. <laughs> All right, it's okay. Just got to get through those doors and find a seat. It'll be okay. All right. <sighs> oh, please don't sit too close to me. <laughs> oh, please don't sit too... Hi. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that, that seat's open. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's my first time here. Yep, 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 thanks, thanks. Oh, Good, it's getting started. <sighs> hmm. It's not too bad. I sit here, I listen. I don't have to talk any, to any strange people. Just have to sit here and listen. I think I can do that. Wait, seriously? That's what the pastor's talking about today? Did someone tell him that I was coming? That's exactly what I've been trying to avoid. Oh, come on. Please, can this be over? Can I get out of here? They can't know. They can't see me get upset. Oh, please, let this be over. 
Wow, that was really powerful. But it's over. The service is done. All right, I just have to smile and walk towards that door. You can do it. No one's going to know that tornado that wrecked inside of you. You can do it. All right. Ten more steps. I'm not going to cry. I I got it. Three more. Get the keys in the car. Thank goodness. I'm alone. Now, if I can just hold it together to get out of this parking lot. Thank you, Jen. Obviously, that is a specific picture of a specific person. That's not every person, of course. It's going to depend on what your experiences have been with church. It's going to depend on what your overall mental health is. It's going to depend on your personality to some extent. But I think it's good and helpful for us as people who are used to church, people who are very comfortable in church, to think about what someone might be experiencing when they walk through the doors. Sometimes people come to us with defenses up, not sure if it's safe to engage, not sure if it's safe to be known. Even people who we're used to seeing on a regular basis might be holding back if they don't feel comfortable being vulnerable. I was reminded this week of the quote that says, Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. You know, our basic nature says, I decide what's best for me. You're on the outside unless... I let you in. So we put on a mask and we keep people from getting too close. And there are two main ways that we do this. First, and this is on your sermon notes if you're taking notes. First, we hide the things we don't want people to see. Adam and Eve did this when they hid from God, not wanting him to see that they had taken their lives in their own hands, that they had eaten the forbidden fruit, and then that they had made clothes to cover their naked vulnerability. So that's the very first thing that we hide, isn't it? It's our sins that we hide first. How strange it is that we would ever try to convince someone that we're perfect, that we never sin, because sin is in our basic nature, and we know, <laughs> we know that everybody shares that same nature. We know that about each other. We tend to be selfish people. We tend to look out for number one, but we don't want people to think that about us So we hide our sins and we try to look good. That's the first thing we hide. Secondly, we hide our mistakes. Not everything we do wrong is intentional. You know, we make mistakes. These are things that we would rather not remember, things that we might feel like a failure that we've done or that we might feel tempted to feel shame about ourselves because of it. You know, shame is that thing that tells us we're inferior or that we're worthless or that we'll never measure up. We don't want other people to think that about us. We don't want them to see us that way, so we hide our mistakes. And thirdly, we hide our hurts. Now, hurts can come from us, or they can come from other people. You know, if we operate out of that sinful nature, if we chase the things that look good to us in the moment, we will inevitably hurt ourselves, and we might take other people down along the way. So these are ways that we can hurt ourselves, but then we have all these people in our lives, too, that that can and do hurt us, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. So you put those things together, and we might carry around a ton of baggage of hurts that we've endured in our lives. 
from our own choices, from the choices of others, but we don't want to be identified with our baggage, do we? So we hide our hurts. You know, for some people, dealing with sins, mistakes, and hurts is a lifelong struggle. All of us are on a journey. You know, those things that I mentioned, like like feeling shame over things that we've done. You know, these are the things that drag us down. They're the things that uh, tempt us toward uh, depression, anxiety, you know, ongoing struggles in our lives. These are real. There are people all around us in this room who struggle with these things. And it's up to us whether we're going to continue to walk in that path or whether we're going to try to walk toward the light. Darkness and light are always at war within us. Paul wrote about that. Now, I'm not saying that it's up to you to fix yourself, and I'm going to mention that later. I'm saying that there is hope for you. And here's what, here's what I want you to see. Having people around us, like those here in the community of faith, is very helpful to keep us moving in the right direction when we're carrying a heavy load. So I want to show you James chapter 5, verse 16, the great verse. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There are a lot of scripture verses that I could share with you here, but I chose this one because it's very special in what it says. There are a ton of scripture verses about our relationship to God about how God works in our lives, how God sent his son to die for us, that we could know him, that we could have the free gift of salvation. There are verses about how God renews us and restores us and transforms us and how he changes us to be more like him. There are verses that focus a lot on our relationship with God and what God does in us. But this verse focuses on our relationship with one another and what that does in us. And I think that's pretty special. James says, if we confess our sins, we can be healed. And we don't want to leave the God part of it out, so I want you to look at another place where it says confess our sins, and that's in 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. These two things work hand in hand. Let's put these two verses together. If we confess our sins to God, what do we get? Well, we get forgiveness right out of this verse. It says we get forgiveness, purification. One translation says cleansing. We're washed clean of our sin. We aren't accountable to God anymore. We are forgiven. We are free. We are at peace with our sin. But then if we confess our sins to each other, what do we get? Well, the verse in James says we get prayer. We get spiritual relationship with each other. And what comes from that? Healing comes from that. Confession, my friends, brings us together in spiritual relationship. Confession brings healing into our lives, opening up, being transparent. Even about our sins, our mistakes, our hurts, it has a healing component. Not only does it bring together a human relationship, but a spiritual one as well. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, isn't, isn't God the one who does that? Isn't God the one who heals us? Absolutely. God works in our lives, as we said a minute ago. God works in our lives. He does so much in our lives. But James tells us here that God uses our brothers and sisters to bring healing into our lives. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced that this morning? Brothers and sisters coming around you to help you, to help you with healing, to help you with dealing with hurts, sins, mistakes. 
It's incredible to me that each one of us has the beautiful opportunity and the beautiful position to be able to bring healing into each other's lives. And maybe we don't think about that quite often enough. Instead, hiding behind our mask, worried that people will find out too much of what's going on inside of us, too much about our hurts, our mistakes, our sins. We have to learn to be transparent. So we hide the things we don't want people to see. And secondly, we hide ourselves when we don't want to be known. So stick with me on this. I'm going to throw a lot of information at you because we, there are three main fears that keep us from revealing too much about ourselves. First is a fear of intimacy. When I say the word intimacy, I'm not talking about anything romantic. I'm talking about the level at which we connect in an emotional way with another person, how it works out in our lives, how fully known we allow ourselves to be. Psychologists have identified five levels of emotional intimacy we move through as we get to know someone. And we'll take a quick look at this list of five levels of emotion, emotional intimacy. And this is from the ministry called Family Life. Level one is called safe communication. It's the lowest level of intimacy. And we call it safe because it only involves the exchange of facts and information. There's no, there's no feelings or opinions or personal vulnerability involved in it. And therefore, there's no risk. This is the kind of interaction we have with people that we don't know very well. Things like, the weather sure is erratic lately. Bet nobody out there said that this week. Uh, Or, hey, I heard Kohl's is having a sale this week. Keep that one in your back pocket. That's a sentence you can say every week and it's still true. Level two, others' opinions and beliefs. This is where we start sharing other people's thoughts, beliefs, and opinions, and we reveal a little bit more about ourselves through what we associate with. This is when we say things like, my mother always says, or one of my favorite authors said, and these statements test the other person's reaction to what we're sharing without having to offer our own response. Now the next level, personal opinions and beliefs, this is level three, this is where we start taking small risks because we begin to share our own ideas. But if we begin feeling too vulnerable, then we can say we've switched our opinions or changed our mind so that we can avoid conflict or pain in our relationship. Level four is my feelings and experiences. At this level, we're going to talk about our joys, our pain, uh, our failures, our mistakes, our dreams, our goals, what we like, what we don't like. These are the things that make us uniquely who we are. This level is more vulnerable because we can't change the way we feel about something or the, the experiences that we've had, past or present. And finally, level five, the deepest level, this is my needs, my emotions, and my desires. This is the highest level of intimacy, and we're known at the deepest core of who we are. Now, unlike the other levels, at this level, there is no escape. Once I have shown you who I am, I can no longer convince you otherwise. This is when we offer someone the most vulnerable part of ourselves. We let them see our emotional reactions to things, which, if you're like me, isn't always pretty. And that's why we save this level for the people that we know the best, like our families. So think for a moment about the people you know, the people that you interact with on a daily basis or a regular basis. Maybe it's the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people that you come to worship with. And you probably know some of them better than others. That just means you're on different levels of intimacy with different people, and that's as it should be. Not everyone is a level five. 
But when we fear intimacy, we fear letting our inner thoughts and feelings be known, and so we keep people down on the lower levels where it's safe. When, in fact, there might be something to be gained by letting them step up a level. So we hide ourselves out of a fear of intimacy. And secondly, sometimes we hide out of a fear of ridicule. You might not know this about me, but when I was in school, when I was younger, I was not a popular kid. I was not liked, didn't have a lot of friends. I dealt with bullies who made fun of me. Can anyone relate to that? Been made fun of in school? We have a few. Uh, That's quite an experience, which if you haven't experienced it, there's nothing I can do to explain to you how deeply that can affect you. Uh, When somebody points out something about you they think is weird or they think it's different or they think it's funny and then they have a laugh at your expense. It has a major impact on how you see yourself. It can make it hard to trust people with knowing who you really are. And that brings us to our third fear, which is the fear of rejection. I probably don't have to explain that one. I think most of us, or maybe all of us, have at some point dealt with a fear of being rejected by someone else. As I describe these things, you might even be sitting there feeling them well up inside you. Maybe there's something that you kind of carry with you close to the surface, things that you have dealt with all along your life's journey. And the enemy, our spiritual enemy, loves to point out reasons why you should feel shame or you should feel alone or you should feel afraid. But I want you to stick with me on this sermon today because I want to tell you there's hope. In fact, I want to give you so much hope that you will know that hope outweighs all of the fears that we have. Our hope is found in our Heavenly Father who loves us, who gave His Son and His Spirit to us. VeggieTales might have said it best, God is bigger than the boogeyman. You know what? God knows us at our deepest level. He knows us to our deepest inner self, and there's not a single thing we can do about that. In fact, I want you to hear this. God knows you in your deepest self. There's not a thing you can do about that. God said in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139, God tells us that he knows us all the way down to our deepest inner self, even down to the words we're about to say and the thoughts we're about to think. That's how much God knows us. And when you hear that truth, I don't want it to make you feel vulnerable and afraid. I want it to bring you hope because get this, the God who knows you all the way down to your deepest self, the thoughts you're about to think, that's the God who made you and he loves you, period. In all of those small details. God loves you. God made you on purpose. You're not an accident. And he made you to be in a healthy relationship with him and the rest of his family. This is your identity, my friends. This is your place. You belong in the family of God when you follow Jesus Christ. Our identity in Christ is so foundational to how we understand ourselves and how we live. The closer you get to Jesus, the less any other thing can have an influence over you and drag you away. 
You don't have to stay trapped in the painful experiences of your past. You don't have to deal anymore with the hurtful words that have been said to you, the the ridicule, the rejection you might have endured. You don't have to give in to the temptation to sin. You can live in freedom and in healthy relationship with God and with His people. Amen? Freedom is real, and it comes from the Lord. I want you to look at Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. This is one of my favorite verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit that gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. My friends, God's power is alive in you when you follow Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, God says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. There is no condemnation for you. No ridicule, no rejection. God knows who you are. He fully accepts you and loves you. He's seen everything you've done. He's known every word you've said and every thought that you've had. And He loves you. He has set you free from the law of sin and death. My friends, there is freedom in being known. God demonstrates the freedom that we have in the way that he loves us. The law of the spirit of life that Paul talked about here in Romans chapter 8, this is the law that God has put in place within his family, and you and me are a part of that. We are fully known by God, so we don't have to fear being known by others in the family of God. Now, before I wrap up this message, I want you to know there is a responsibility that comes along with this. All of us share in the responsibility of being a family. Mutually healthy and caring transparency is what makes vulnerability safe. Don't miss this. Ready? Mutually healthy and caring transparency is what makes it safe to be vulnerable with each other. So if we are a family, and if we're going to be open with each other, then we have to be able to trust each other in our vulnerability. We take off a mask. We let others in, even into our issues, and then we genuinely care for each other. We don't gossip about each other. We don't use someone's faults against them. Let's practice a little piece of that right now. Turn to your neighbor that you spoke to earlier, and I want you to tell them, I love you with all of your issues. I thought it was important to do that because if we're going to be open about our issues, that's the kind of response we need to have. Someone comes to you and says, I have an issue. You want to know that you're going to get back love. You're going to get back grace. As we go through the coming week, this coming series, I want to encourage you to be open with one another. Don't settle for, on Sunday morning, walking through that lobby giving a smile and a hello and letting that be the end of our relationship. Go beyond that. Ask a question. Hey, what happened 
in your life this week. Tell me something good that happened. You seem like things might not be the greatest right now. What is there something that I can pray for you about? Care for one another. Let it be genuine. I'm going to ask all of us to stand. Because I've been saying this phrase, this sentence, throughout the sermon today. We are fully known by God. We don't have to fear being known by others in the family of God. I'm going to ask you to join me in this, and I'm going to turn it to be an I statement. That this would come from all of our hearts individually. Let's read it together one line at a time. You ready? I am fully known by God, so I don't have to fear being known by others in the family of God. It's a beautiful thing. As we keep standing, I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, so we can pray together. There might be someone in this room right now, someone here this morning, that that this is new ground for you. This is news to you. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus before today. It's, It's something that you haven't done. That's okay. We love you. We're so glad that you're here. And I want to invite you to make that decision right now. It might be new to you. Masks are nothing new. But the very first mask we have to remove is the one that keeps us away from God. Let's keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And let's all reflect on the fact that every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the, of the glory of God. I'm not just talking to the people who might be new this morning. But there is hope for every single one of us. And that hope is not in what we can do to fix ourselves. Hope comes from knowing the God who made you on purpose, who loves you enough to offer you forgiveness and peace. Each one of us has to give up the mask that says, I decide what's best for me, and we have to ask God to take over for us. Today, this might be the first time you're doing it. It might be the 10th time you're doing it, asking God to take over, giving up the mask that says, I decide what's best for me. But I want to invite you to join with me in this prayer. And you can say it right where you are from your heart. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Please forgive me for living for myself. I want to live for you. Please show me how. And help me to connect with people who can help me be the person you created me to be. And I have one more prayer this morning for those of us who already have a relationship with the Lord. Father, help us to be open and transparent with each other. Help us, Lord, not to hide, not to pretend. Help us not to hold each other at a distance. Give us real, genuine love for each other that crosses the borders of our experiences and our backgrounds, our different ages, our disagreements, anything the enemy could use to work against unity in this family. Father, help us to pay attention to what you want to do in our relationships. Lead us, Lord. Amen.